Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Michael Brunch, Brian Christofferson, here on a Tuesday evening. Gentlemen, how are you enjoying your month of May? The calm before the storm, if you will. I'm uh, I'm tackling some house projects the the this couple weeks before. Yeah, you're everything. like Bob Bila over there. Yeah, I, it's been it's been rewarding and at the same time quite frustrating. So, what's been the best one so far? Well, they've all sucked, but um, well, it's a house project. It's not supposed to be fun. Yeah, the the whole like ninety year old house thing makes it challenging sometimes when you're trying to like fit on a new door. So that took a little while the other day, but got, got the door in. Um, like no, sawing the door down so it fits or like what, what is your active role here? Sawing the door down. Um, well, I mean, you have to like file it because basically the, the opening is not correct for uh, the size of the door. It's, uh, it was a very big production. So, but it's, it's right. done. It's completely at my element. There's no wildlife in my house right now. Well, that's good. Has your dad made a trip down yet so he can kind of give you that dad? Oh, he he was he was doing a lot of the heavy lifting with it. Like I'm not yeah. gonna. I, I wasn't there. Like he's basically the the Al Borland to my Tim Taylor. Did he give you the look? It's that dad look of that generation where they still love you, but man, they're disappointed. It was, there was, I think there probably was a point where I could see the wheels turning in his head, just wondering where he'd gone wrong as a parent. So, but it's, it's good. We're good now. Everything's good. I'm ready for May or ready for uh, June, ready for it to all happen. <laughs> Brunt's no longer wants downtime. He wants to be in the middle of the epicenter on <laughs> June 14th. He wants commitments flying. He wants to be screaming on the phone. I got one. Something like that. Yeah. I Have you ever done that? I don't think I've ever screamed that way with the commitment. Mm, no. I mean, I've thrown shoes before. but <laughs> Yeah, you have. So, I mean, I, I am not liable for how I respond to things. It's not. It's I, not like all the president's men where they're running through the office with the, where they've confirmed, they've confirmed a, another source on something. We got to commit. You want to talk about a movie that holds up. Just oh, yeah. Good stuff. I watched it, uh, watched it this winter for whatever reason. And really good. Big fan. It's the best journalism movie there is. Uh, Shattered Glass is uh, a second on my list for those people who like journalism movies. I watched a journalism movie. Well, I rewatched it. Shelby watched it for the first time. I fell asleep by the end of it. But did you ever see State of Play? <laughs> yes, of course, of course, yes. Yeah, it, Russell Crowe looks and acts nothing like any journalist I've ever met in my life. By the way, in that movie, as I am now older and can further critique it than when I think I saw it in theaters. But um, yeah, and then there's a there's a whole lot of old journalism versus blogs there in it, and it <laughs> felt really dated. It was pretty great. It's an all star cast, by the way. Yeah, it's loaded. You know, Rachel McAdams, you got Ben Affleck, you have uh you have the guy from uh from Stranger Things. Yeah, Jeff Jeff Daniels is in it. I don't know his name. He's just the guy from Stranger Things until I bother to learn his name. Oh, I sorry, all also on the cast, Jeff Daniels, Helen Mirren's on the cast. 
Yeah, Jeff Daniels has like a really small role for being Jeff Daniels. Isn't he the senator? He's uh he's like part of the in- intimidation group that's trying to get like Ben Affleck to go along with the uh, the shadowy um, oh, yeah, Affleck. So, yeah, good stuff. Stay to play. One thumb halfway up. It's not bad. People aren't going to be disappointed if they watch it. I don't think. I think. I think it's a decent it's two hours. Yeah. Um, you know, my critiques of it have more to do with it's the journalism presentation than anything about its watchability. Is Rachel McAdams also on Spotlight? Isn't she a part yes. of the crew? Yeah. Spotlight. Spotlight's a better journalism movie. Yeah, that's number three on my list. Okay. Do you have a fourth? Uh, uh, I didn't like the post as much as some people did. Yeah, I didn't either. Um, I don't know. I, I'll think about that and get back to you. My top three are clear cut. Okay. And those All are right. them. Well, what about your top 21 most indispensable Huskers? How clear cut were those, Brian? That's pretty good. Pretty good segue. Um, yeah, we've been doing that list. Do we want to? How do we want to do it? Do we want to go overall, or we want to go go overall first and then say what we each had? Uh, yeah, let's run through the four that that we've run, that we have. You know, this will run on Wednesday. The the four that have been out, and then we can talk about some of the honorable mentions that didn't make it as well today. All right. Well, the twenty one on the overall list, and this included votes from. We each had our ballot, and then I took a message. I took our board. I gave them a chance to vote and combine those votes for a fourth ballot. So there's a fan vote. So those four combined for what we came up with. And Marquis Step, actually, yeah, Marquis Step was 21. What do you make of that? That's I. That's actually who I had at 21. So I'm. I, I was like, yeah, that that matches up. You didn't have a running back, though, Schaefer, and I understand why. I almost didn't either. I didn't because I just don't know if anyone can be indispensable if the whole group is questionable, um, if that makes sense. Like, I just – there's nobody in there where I'm ready to say, all right, that's going to be the guy, and it's going to be a little bit of a difficulty in terms of replacing him. And so because of that, it felt easier to just leave running back off the list entirely. I kind of got to the end of my list – I got to, to number 18 and number 19 and realized that I didn't have a running back on the list. And I was like, well, I should probably have a running back on the list. So then I put step on there and then right behind him put Gabe Irvin. So to me, to me, it's more of like, it's more of a perception thing, I guess, because coming out of the spring, you know, step at least has a little bit of a track record, although he has the injury history uh, from his time at USC. So I feel like, there's a little bit of like potential promise there, or at least a little bit of care of a carrot for that running back room being potentially okay. Um, just by his presence, even though there's obviously a lot of question marks there. And, and the other reason that I had Gabe Irvin at 19, I guess we could, since I'm just talking about it, I felt like he was the guy coming out of, out of the spring that you're like, okay, this guy's got a chance um, to, to, to really do something in his first year. So it, it was uh, on the one hand, the, Oh crap, I need a running back. And then on the other hand, I actually had a little bit of thought into it. The thing that's worrisome about step is, I mean, you're dealing with a foot injury with the, with any, any guy on the roster you'd be worried about, but especially at running back, 
And we were told in the spring, he'll be back by the summer. That's the, that was the initial plan. But until you see that happen, um, until they put out like a video where they sneak him into the frame in the weight room and you see him just pumping a lot of iron, you know, where they kind of do that sneaky thing where, Oh, there's Marquis step. Um, I think people are going to be a little worried about it. So that it is sort of a, a risky pick at 21. I feel okay about it because I thought he's sort of the rep overall just representative for the running back to me. It's almost like pick your, running back of choice and whoever emerges as a top guy um, it feels like that's about where he belongs on the list. So, and if he is injured longer than they hope, I, I think that's a significant loss. Like even though we haven't seen a play, he has the best resume uh, from compared to the other guys who don't have really any resume yet. And he was supposed to be that big back. So if it is a deal where it sticks with them a little bit longer and hopefully it doesn't, um, that I think he still fits on this list because I, I think he's, he's, you're, they're going to miss him if that were the case. Yeah, I, I, I definitely understand, like I said, where you're coming from. It just felt like there's enough of them. None of them have separated so much that anyone should be considered indispensable in my purview of it. And I, there was just other guys I wanted to get on the list more. I think it's really what it came down to. I mean, I, I – if we would have done, because I think in the past we've done 25, right? Yep. I would have had somebody in there by the by the 25th spot, if not before then. So uh, was there anyone for either of you that didn't make the list that you were a little surprised? Well, I should name the guys who just missed. Um, Omar Manning was basically 22nd in the voting. Um, Gabe Irvin was in the voting. Quinton Newsom. Uh, was a just missed guy who I had at number 20 on mine um, because I think he's going to be the starting corner opposite Cam Taylor Britt. And I think it's a position while they have some interesting guys, it's still one I think they're looking in the portal right now at maybe adding another two. So it tells you they're not completely, you know, satisfied yet with the depth there. Or they think they could at least add somebody. So uh, Quinton Newsom probably would be my answer as far as sort of a guy who just missed who, who I think could be deserving. Yeah, that was, that would be mine as well, Brian. He was my number 21. Um, I had Xavier Betts at 20, but I, I understand that uh, he had kind of a weird spring. And so I get that, uh, you know, coming off of that, you'd hope for maybe a little bit better if he's going to have kind of a breakout freshman year, if, if you will. I mean, I, I don't even know what to call him. It's not a red year freshman. He's not a true freshman. He's just a, Super freshman, Second year freshman, but those would be the two guys. But Newsom more so than Betts, I think. Looking back on it, I probably should have bumped Newsom a spot had Betts at twenty-one. But I, uh, I, I think Newsom's going to be a player for him, and I, I think he's going to be a breakout guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a nice, a nice year and makes it hard for people like Braxton Clark and others to get on the field. I mean, I, I think he had a good spring, and we know Travis Fisher likes him a lot. There really wasn't anybody on that honorable mention that. You know, I felt like really needed to be in there. I like I said, I had Gabe Irvin just barely on the list. Um, I, I don't think I had Newsom on my list. So I mean, it, it to me it was just kind of like, well, you know, the Newsom's probably the one I, I would say you know would potentially be on there given the depth that they that they don't have or at least proven depth. So I, I had no problem with guys that were just uh, just left off. 
All right. So number uh, 21 was Marquis Stepp. Number 20 was Chris Kalarovich, who uh, I don't know. Did you have him? Brunt Schaefer and I both had him. Did you? I did. Yeah. He was uh, 20 on my list. I mean, I think for those who were, I guess, skeptical of Kalarovich uh, and what he did at Northern Iowa, and he did have some injuries himself there. Uh, he hasn't played a full season, but he had 144 tackles. But I think what probably confirmed to people that he belongs is he was a freak in the testing. He was a guy who showed up on multiple lists there, has a 38-inch vertical, was great in the weight room. So that was impressive. And then, of course, the Will Honus injury. I mean, it, it, it's now a position where uh, they still have some solid guys and you feel okay about the depth. But the Will Honus injury reminds me how quickly we can go from talking about a position where it's like, okay, they're stacked with guys, they're fine. And then one guy goes down and you get a little nervous. And that's where it's good to have Chris Kolarovich have, having popped onto campus a few months ago. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he's been a guy that, that came here this spring. He had a great offseason. Uh, it seemed like the, the staff really likes him. He was someone that they seemed to like a lot more than everyone else when they went out and got him in October of last year. And, and we, uh, we idiots in the media maybe wrote him off a little bit relative to some of the other additions. And he's going to have a big role, and he's great depth for him. And, and with the potential that Will Honus is going to be unavailable, then Kolarovich is going to be pretty important for this defense and, and uh, you know, slotting in right there with Henrich and, and Luke Reimer. And it allows Nebraska to be versatile and multiple with their linebackers. Well, it, kind of underscoring the point of the, the depth there, like they, they want four who can play. They had four and four they felt really good about. And, uh, you know, now you're, you're down to three there. And, you know, a couple of those guys with, pretty notable injury histories too. So I, I think that that in itself, and then plus when you look at the testing numbers that he had, I, I think that's why he's on that list. And I actually thought about having him a little bit higher on mine, but, uh, but uh, I think he's going to be really important for Nebraska. And I, and I think some people even kind of looked at that addition when it happened and kind of said, look, do they really need this guy? And I, I think he's going to be a huge factor for him. Yeah. He was number 18 for me. Number 19 overall was uh, Bryce Ben Hart, right tackle. Uh, the, our fan vote actually had him 15th, which was the highest amongst the votes. Um, 19th right where I had him. You know, he, obviously there's a, there's a thought that he's about ready to bust out now. He, you know, he's got the frame. Everybody sees that. Um, you know, I always think back to Scott Frost after the Iowa game a few years ago when he said, we just got to get bigger. And Bryce Benhart, to me, is like the face of that because he was a recruit who was coming in at that time. And they definitely have gotten bigger. They have followed through on that. They have made their roster bigger. And Benhart is sort of a, a good uh, example. Um, the only reason I didn't have him higher is, yes, he's got some proving still to do and pass pro and stuff like that, but also – there are some young tackles who are the same age who had pretty good springs and are pushing the competition. And I'm not saying they're going to beat anybody out or anything, but you know, Ezra Miller was a four-star recruit himself who uh, Greg Austin has liked and has said is going to play here. And Nora Dean Newilly from uh, Colorado state 
has fit in well at the left tackle spot. And you got Brant Banks who could go out there if you needed a tackle. So I feel like even though you might think, you know, the top two, there are some options. They have a tackle more so than they've had in years past. I didn't have him on my list um, for, for that reason that you just kind of ran off there. The, the fact that you have more depth along the, the offensive line and especially at tackle. Um, and I think good depth. I mean, I, I think that Nebraska is going to put their best five out there, but I mean, if you, you, if you had something happen to, to Bryce Benhart, I think you could put a Brant Banks at right tackle pretty easily, not miss beat or Miller or Nwelly or any of those guys. I mean, even, um, you know, Brock Bandos played some tackle uh, during his time at Nebraska, Matt Sichterman too. I mean, they, they've, they've kind of cross-trained those guys. And I think that, you know, kind of looking at the offensive line, I think I, I, I kind of uh, was not as stressed about a lot of those guys on the list just based on some of that depth that they have now and have built at guard and at tackle. Yeah, I definitely get where Brunts is coming from with that. I just think the best version of Nebraska's offensive line includes Bryce Benhart. I think he's a guy that could make a little bit of a jump this year. And they, you know, if, if you go and you get good tackle play from him and, and uh, another guy that I'm sure we'll be talking about or Turner Corcoran and you get good offensive line play as a whole. I, I just think it's pretty valuable. And he's the, the, the guy that they have slotted in that spot. He's a highly ranked guy. And if he goes and he proves it and he's a quality big 10 offensive lineman for you, I just think that there's more upside with him than maybe those other guys. And I feel like that is reflective in getting him on the list. All right. Number 18. Uh, overall was uh, Garrett Nelson, pride of Scott's bluff. Uh, I'll let you guys go first. I've talked first about the, what, what do you guys think about that? Garrett Nelson's really hard to rank, I think, because he had sort of a, not a quiet, but not a super great start to his, his sophomore season. But then you have a couple games, Purdue, Rutgers, where he looked pretty good. Minnesota, I think he was involved quite a bit. I mean, I just – I feel like he came on strong at the end of last season. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like for them, an outside linebacker, because they have about 804 names, and and they're going to try to get uh, some guys some reps. You already have JoJo Doman, who's going to appear a lot higher on this list than Nelson will. But I like how he trended at the end of last year. I think that he is an important part of the defense from a psychology standpoint. I, I really do think – that he makes people listen to him and no one's going to outwork him. And I do like the matchup of, or not matchup, but just the the combination of Mike Dawson working with Garrett Nelson. He's another guy that uh, I think that there's real potential for a breakout for. And, and, you know, a lot of those guys in that 2019 class, if you're betting on Nebraska being good or being better than where they have been, it's, it's on the strength of some of those 2019 guys being good quality, big 10 players. And I think Garrett Nelson can be another one. Yeah, I, I had him at uh, 16 on my list, and I thought he, you know, he, he, it was a little bit quiet last year for him, but, I mean, he started all eight games. He, you know, set a career high in, in tackles, um, and, and I think that he looked like a guy that was a lot more comfortable with college football. I mean, it, in, in 2019, when he was out there, he was just basically playing with his hair on fire, um, and, you know, he's going to still do that, but there's, you know, the, the, the knowledge of the defense, the acclimation to the Big Ten, uh, now kind of to be able to pair with um, that energy, I think, is really a, a big thing. And 
yeah, it's going to be a crowded picture at outside linebacker. You're going to have a lot of guys. They're going to try and get in there. But I, I do think that Garrett Nelson is a guy to me that seems like he's kind of primed for a little bit of a breakout um, relative to kind of where he was last season. So uh, that, that was kind of why I had him towards the front of the pack among that list that, um, you know, I guess you could probably what Feldarius Payne is probably in that mix. Um, you know, you, you're going to have to find somewhere for, for Javin Wright if he can stay healthy. Um, just kind of those, those depth, depth type guys plays Gunnarsson who knows, but um, I think Garrett Nelson's going to play a lot for Nebraska and, and be really important for the defense. Yeah. I had him at 16. He's actually on a faster track. I mean, sometimes we actually penalize guys who we've seen, you know what I mean? Like I'm not talking about just us and I'm talking about the whole fan base and everybody, because if, if there aren't that, if they don't reach what like the imaginations are immediately, they're sort of like, well, maybe there's somebody better around the corner. And so we tend to talk about some guys from that class who frankly haven't played yet or played much. And we build them up and Garrett Nelson's actually been out there and, and he got all of his TFLs the last three games of the season last year. So he really did start to uh, turn it up. Um, the play I always bring up with him is the Penn State play early or in the season when he had a he went for the kill shot on a sack, missed it. Penn State completes like a 78-yard pass, puts him back in the game in the fourth quarter. And it maybe at that point was sort of an example of a guy who he's such a live wire and he plays with all that, but he he just had to control that chaos a little bit. And I felt like he kind of reined that in a little the last few games and and found that that sweet spot. And so now it's a matter of if he can if he can build on it. So he's one of those guys. I had him at 16, but I could see where uh, he proves that he should actually be higher as it goes along. It wouldn't surprise me. But I also like Phil Darius Payne there. I think he's sort of a wild card. When you think about Phil Darius's situation last year, he caught COVID and all this stuff and uh, had to switch positions. I mean, he actually did pretty well for the roadblocks he faced. So. It'll be interesting to see how they uh, work the reps at that spot. Yeah, I uh, I had him at at seventeen. So that's kind of our run through of of the honorable mentions up through eighteen. Of course, this series available at Husker twenty four seven. You can catch it every day, basically, right, Brian? I mean, we're we're rolling. We're going, every, we're going every day, taking us into June, and it's then. Yeah. Recruits are going to be popping every day. We're going to be yelling at each other to get that story up about a commit. It's going to be exciting. I hope we get to do that. That sounds uh, that sounds fun. That, that sounds like there'd be a little life in the place. Uh, let's take a break, and we will discuss Nebraska baseball coming off of a two-game sweep of Northwestern. They did not play three. Michael Bruns will explain why, and he'll dive into how things sit as Nebraska goes into its last pod and a very big weekend coming up. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, I teased it before we took a break there, but Michael Brunts, take it away. Why did Nebraska not play Northwestern on Sunday? Because <laughs> they, they, they were out of pitchers. They, uh, they were done. And even though I know that uh, – some people were tweeting at me on, on uh, Saturday night that they saw Northwestern's uh, team riding around on scooters in the Haymarket on Saturday mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, were, uh, they were without pitchers. And based on what Northwestern was rolling out on Saturday in the late innings, um, I have to believe that they didn't have anybody left in the cupboard out there because it was uh, a lot of upper 70 fastballs. Um, some questions. Oh, that was a starter. Yeah, well, yeah, and then the guy they brought in, too, was, was – uh, The lefty? Yeah. He threw was throw- 35 pitches against four batters. Yeah. It was uh, – it wasn't it wasn't position player pitching type stuff, but it felt like it. So, they uh, – I, 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 I will say this. I think you have to give Northwestern credit for taking a bus all the way down to Lincoln and playing two games, knowing that you only had six pitchers. But – um, yeah, so Nebraska only gets the, the two wins instead of what was likely going to be three based on uh, the, the no contest rule by the Big Ten. So, But Nebraska sits atop the Big Ten standings heading into the final two weeks of the season. And uh, probably one of the more exciting conference baseball finishes I can recall just based on the way that the Big Ten – has scheduled things with basically anybody that's competing for the championship playing each other over the last two weekends. Yeah, there's uh, there's basically – who does Nebraska have this weekend? They have Indiana and who? Nebraska gets two against Indiana and two against Ohio State, and then they close with a three-game homestand against Michigan. Uh, Maryland, they get both Michigan and Indiana. Uh, Michigan gets – um, I'm blanking now. Who? Michigan? Michigan gets Maryland and Nebraska, and Indiana gets Nebraska, 
Nebraska, Ohio, Ohio State, State, and then they, uh, they finished Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. So I, the, sta- the standings could look very different um, pretty much night to night, which is pretty exciting. If you're looking for reasons to believe that Nebraska can finish this out, they're sitting in first right now. They probably have to go five and two, or excuse me, four and two. No, five and two over that seven game stretch. In, in my estimation, but what, what would give you optimism that they can pull this off? Um, well, they're starting to hit a little bit again, which that, that up until that North or the, uh, the Rutgers sweep a few weeks ago really hadn't been an issue, but you're seeing guys like Max Anderson get back uh, to, to what he was doing at the start of the year. Bryce Matthews is hitting well. Uh, Griffin Everett is, you know, finally being rewarded for hitting balls hard. Um, even Logan Foster is, is looking better um, in, in the at-bats that he's had. So I think that's promising. I think Cade Povich um, is really rounded into form the last three or four starts, which I think helps. And, you know, if you can get the bullpen back to maybe not what it was before, but close to it, I, I think, you know, Nebraska is not going to be a team that's going to beat itself a lot. So um, that, that gives me – a little bit of confidence in these types of games where you're, where you're figuring the scores are probably going to be tight. You're going to need to get outs and, you know, Nebraska can usually play good defense and and pitch it pretty well. So that's a good recipe, I think. And then if you were to be concerned. Well, um, I mean, Nebraska as good as Cade Povich has been, um, I think it's been a little bit shaky on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Chance Roach didn't have a great game or a great start on Saturday against Northwestern. He's actually been better than I would have thought just kind of based on the eye test uh, the last month or so. But, um, you know, maybe the lack of consistency from from those guys on, on Saturday and Sunday has been a little bit of a concern. I mean, the, the Sunday games – especially have kind of been white knuckle rides the last few weeks. So, um, you know, you're going to be facing some pretty premium arms too within Indiana and Michigan. So um, getting consistent starts is important. And I I just don't know that I have a ton of confidence in those guys. Like I, I kind of wonder, and, and nobody's told me this, but I do wonder if Nebraska got into a regional situation, if you wouldn't even see Spencer Schwellenbach as a starter. Um, in, in an elimination game if they had one. I, I can see that even being a potential option just to get more consistency. So I don't know. That, that, that would be the biggest concern for me. Um, it's just, you know, how do you, how do you get better pitching on Saturdays and Sundays? It's just hard. There's no midweek. There's no way to work on it. You just got to throw guys out there and hope that they can get productive outs um, and that I mean that's that's the other tough part about losing that game on Sunday too is you were probably going to be able to throw a lot of those types of guys and get them some work and you didn't have that opportunity yeah it's a the the short-term thinking of the Big Ten created a season-long issue for these teams and especially ones young like Nebraska in the in the pitching I mean how many guys do you think they actually trust going into a, a tournament type scenario, like seven, six. Well, I mean, out of your bullpen, you would have obviously Schwellenbach, Cam Wynn, Jake, Bun. Bun, Jake Buns. Um, 
I think they feel better recently about Emmett Olson, uh, the freshman lefty. He's pitched pretty well, I think, when he's been in there. Um, Max Schreiber is very hot and very cold, uh, but he's a guy that they would put in there. I think they like what, getting strikeouts or bombs to Northwestern. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah. Uh, Cody Frank, I think, is another guy that they would feel pretty good about have, going in there and getting a couple innings for him. Um, but beyond that, I mean, it, it, it starts to get a little shaky from there. I'd be like, I'm trying to think like Caleb Feakin would be the next guy after that. So it's, uh, it's tough. And, you know, we, we can talk about this too, but I mean, you saw what happened in the big 10 in softball where they only got three teams in. And as we sit right now, heading into the final two weekends of the, the regular season, Nebraska's got the best RPI in the conference and they're in the mid sixties. I mean, Michigan's, you know, low nineties, high eighties, um, same with Indiana. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be, it it at least has the potential, I think, to to definitely come back and bite the big 10 that they opted to um, go the route that they did with the scheduling, because there's just no metric in which to measure the Big Ten against every other conference in college baseball. So what does the committee do at that point? Yeah. Big picture-wise, though, you have to – I mean, you've got to really appreciate what Will Bolt has done, you know, basically in kind of his first year. The fact that with two weeks to go, we have this race on our hands. They could get in the NCAA tournament in a year where their own conference sort of screwed them. And I mean, if, if, if they can pull that off, uh, whatever they do in the tournament, I mean, that's, it's, it's just gravy at that point, because you you did this in this weird year and you know, now, okay, it's going to get back to more normal and they're recruiting. I mean, it's definitely been a arrow up type situation with what's going on there from someone like me, who isn't in it like you are, Bruns, where I just kind of, you know, I see the scores on the weekend while I'm doing stuff. It's just like I, I, I feel good about Husker baseball and the direction they're going right now. And I know that's like the general consensus. I hear people talking about it more that I'll, you know, it, it, people are, are active with it and they haven't been for a while. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I mean, there's in my mind, there, there are not very many better scenarios around Nebraska sports than when Nebraska baseball is is playing well like this is a fan base and a state that if there's a reason to show up at the ballpark they're going to show up and, and there's a definitely an energy um at Haymarket Park that um it's palpable and I think you got to give this coaching staff credit for really kind of developing their culture and you can kind of see guys really buying into what they're um, basically how this coaching staff wants them to play baseball. It's not a, you know, the culture conversation, people roll their eyes at it, but I I think especially in baseball teams tend to take on, um, you know, just they, they, they they just kind of glom on, I guess, to what they're the way that their coach plays and, and the way that their coach wants things to go and when when you kind of do that um and guys buy in it's kind of cool to see so yeah i mean this this team i think was much better than you know not being picked to finish in the top six in the big 10 and the thing you have to remember too is with the way that the baseball recruiting works 
you know, Will Bolton, his staff are just going to be getting a lot of their recruits to campus, you know, in, in the fall. So they've done a really nice job in a short amount of time of just kind of, you know, being able to build on what Darren Erstad did and also putting a very strong stamp of their own on, on what this program is going to look like. All right. Any closing thoughts here? Um, I got, I got none. Are, are you like, I was going to ask this because I have the Twins game on in the background. They're playing the White Sox. And I, it dawned on me that we're like the laughing stock last place team that the little guy who you're probably like rooting for us to beat the guy at the top now because we're so like, you know, harmless to you. Man, that hurts. I like yeah. when you I like when you hate us. And right now we're just like so we have no weapons. I don't know what to do because as I tweeted last night, it already feels like the, the stupid white Sox are running away with the division because I mean, Cleveland's going to be hot and cold all the way to 81 and 81 or slightly better than 500. And I just don't think that's going to be good enough. And I don't really think the white Sox are that good, but I mean, they just have bashed the hell out of the twins pitching and just about everybody else as of late so they're swinging uh, they're swinging at 47 mile pitches mile per hour pitches on three no <laughs> i don't have any problem with that you put a guy on the mound he threw a pitch what are you supposed to do i i would have respected the hell out of minnesota if the next guy would have gotten hit by a 47 mile an hour <laughs> fastball just right right in the shoulder blades by yn zastadio <laughs> to the la tortuga yeah just drills it did you uh did did Bruns, did you enjoy your experience with uh, the A's bullpen and the Twins this weekend? Uh, no, I, I I enjoyed putting on that door a lot more than the the experience of the bullpen. Yeah, you still won the series, so let's just let's just move it along. <laughs> All right, we'll move it along, and we'll be back <laughs> next week. I'm sure with more indispensable Huskers, an update on Nebraska baseball. Maybe we'll have some recruiting talk. Anything else that comes to mind? We'll see if BC can come up with his number four favorite journalism movie. I don't know. It hmm. could be anything. Uh, it could be Mars Attacks for all we know. So, all right, let's let's uh, let's catch you next week then here with the Husker 24-7 podcast. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.